Hello, this is Kristen Kelp, and you are about to listen to an episode of That's What She Said. But before you do that, I've got a freebie for you. There's a free breathwork class waiting for you at breathehealrepeat.com. If you've heard about breathwork, but you haven't yet given it a try, especially if your insides feel strangely numb or like you have about 27 dumpster fires going, breathwork will help. It is free, it is simple, and it just requires a place to lie down and breathe. Pretty basic instructions. So breathehealrepeat.com and grab your free class now. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. Today I have lover, fighter, queen sweeper, and declared dominionaire, um, master life coach, and otherwise magical human being, Anna Kanucky with me. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to it's good to be here. And I want to start out with a confession. So a few years ago, Anna and I were in a mastermind, and I can remember there was this moment, and she was having this horrible moment, and she was like, "But the physical world, it's just so hard." And I remember being a total brat and lying my face off and being like, the physical world's not that bad. Like, it's fine. Okay. What is harder than going to the post office is my question. And I don't know that there is, like, it's just, and so I want to apologize for being a brat because I, like, I was so, like, I thought I was the only one that, like, like, the physical world is just impossible. And I really, like, I walk into walls frequently. I walk into doors. I'm covered in bruises all the time because who knows what has happened to me just walking around in the world. Um, so, so is yeah. this a new thing for you? Like, did the physical world used to not be hard and now it's hard? Um, I feel like it's getting harder. <laughs> like, mm. um, but it was, it's always been like going to the post office has always been the hardest thing. Totally. Although either the DMV maybe is worse. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. Um, so I wanted to talk about the physical world and your relationship to it, and and um, where do we begin with you and the physical world? And was it ever easy? And well, this morning, this morning I got toothpaste on my shirt when I was brushing my teeth, so that's a good place <laughs> to start. Me in the physical world, <laughs> tricky, very tricky. you know I've always known that the physical world was hard for me um but when I got married to someone who actually really likes the physical world it was like it threw it into even more stark relief because my husband Nick is he loves the physical world he loves to cook he loves to make things he even likes to vacuum which oh god Mm -hmm. I don't know post office vacuuming right up there in terms of terrible And so compared to him, I look even more ridiculous trying to kind of fumble my way around the physical world. But you were a single mom for a long time. And so you you had no choice but to physical world. That's true. So um, how did did becoming a mother kind of change your relationship to this physical plane? Well, first I was very sure that I should never have children because physical world. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I had a baby, whoopsie. Um, and then I had to physical world, you know, and there's so much physicality when it comes to having a baby. And, you know, I think some people are sort of naive about what life with the baby will be like. I was not naive. I was terrified 
I knew enough to be terrified. And it was sort of appalling because it just, it was like, it was hard for me to get myself out the door when I was just in a person. I had to remember my wallet and um, my umbrella and my map and my phone and, you know, I don't know, 40 million other things that clearly I've forgotten. And then I knew that when I had a kid, I was going to have to also include like all the bazillion crazy, you know, a breast pump and bottles and wipes and diapers and a fresh set of clothes for when the, everything gets completely disgusting. And it just felt so overwhelming. But the truth is that it had always felt overwhelming to me. Even as a kid, I just found the physical world really hard. And, um, I used to actually dream as a, like maybe in like an eight year old, I used to have this amazing dream that somebody had come and cleaned my room and I would wake up and like, my room was like beautiful and the floor was free of anything. And the things on my dresser were all lined up and polished. And I would dream this and I would wake up in the morning and I would look around and instead there would be like literally a foot of toys tangled on the floor. And there'd be like all kinds of crap on my dresser, just junk. I don't even know where it came from. I had no ability to keep my world like even reasonably tidy, let alone beautiful. And I would wake up and just feel such like sorrow and like a sense of doom. Like I'm just doomed. That's it. It's just, it's all, it's over for me. I'm eight years old. I don't know how to keep my room clean. I can't go on. <laughs> and did you did you have some other activity that you threw yourself into? Did you withdraw or daydream or read or where did you go? Yes. Mm-hmm. I read books. I read books. I was literally that kid who would walk around the world with a book. I I walked reading on the way to the bus stop. You know, I would bump into things, I would drop my book, people would yell at me. Um, but yeah, I just withdrew into books. I could understand words. I could understand feelings, but all this physical stuff was hard. And then on top of that, people wanted you to play sports with balls and the balls would smash me in the face. And it was like, why, why, <laughs> why would, why would you play do this to yourself? Why would you make it so much harder than it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, any, yeah. I still don't really understand sports ball, which is my catchphrase for all the sports involving balls. These games with balls, people get injured. And yeah. why? Why do we do this? <laughs> I don't know. I tried to play volleyball in like seventh grade and my arms were just like covered in these huge welts and bruises. And <laughs> I remember the coach looking at me and being like, I've never seen that happen before. I don't know why that's happening. And I was like, it really hurts okay, this is so fun. I love this. This is great. Yeah. So when, when did you begin? Uh, um, so this is so ironic given that you are now a life coach who helps people get their physical world shit together. Um, how, how do we right? make that arc? It is ironic. <laughs> how did that arc happen? <laughs> well, you know, it also makes sense though, because if the physical world had come naturally to me, if I sort of instinctively understood how to organize papers or how to balance a checkbook, or I sort of just knew how to like keep a a home tidy, I wouldn't really be very good at teaching it to people. But because it was so hard for me to learn, I had to really understand like how to think about it in a way that made sense to people for whom it didn't come naturally. Does that make sense? Like, 
So what happened was I kind of managed to make it through life. I, you know, I was late all the time. I was chronically panicked because I didn't know where anything was. Um, I never had a clean outfit the day I needed one, but I somehow just sort of managed to like stumble my way through life until I had this baby. And then the chaos was like, there just was so much more paraphernalia and I wasn't sleeping. Um, and at the time I was living in Tokyo and I had a, a really unpredictable career. So I would often get a call that was like, all right, we need you to come down. Um, you know, tomorrow at 10 AM, it'll be a nine hour thing. And so I was trying to juggle childcare. And I mean, it was just insane. And I just about lost my mind. And that was the point at which I decided, all right, I have to figure this out. And so because I was an English major and I understand books, I went and I bought like 30 books on getting organized. I love you so much right now. (laughs) Every book that has ever been written. (laughs) Everything. When I got pregnant, I went out and I bought like 50 books on childbirth and breastfeeding. And like, I just, reading is my most natural way to enter the world. (laughs) It's like a good warm up for having to actual touch things in in physical life. So I read all these books on getting organized. I read books on time management. I read books for people who were messy. I read books on ADD because I began to suspect that maybe I was ADD. I read all of these books. I read everything by David Allen who wrote Getting Things Done. I read Tim Ferriss's book. Like I just... I read everything and I read a bunch of stuff that was current and I read a bunch of stuff back from the 1980s. And it actually reminded me that when I was about 11, I came upon a book and it was something to do with messies, the the book for messies or the messies formula or something like that. And I read this book in secret. I bought it at a garage sale and I would like hide it under my bed and I would read it like I was reading porn, which we did not have in my good Christian home. But I read this book I'm like, how to be organized as this kid? Because I didn't understand how other people did it. How did they remember that their homework was due? How did they remember that they had an appointment at you know such and such a time? So I was reading my way through all these books. Um, some of them very dated. Some of them were really interesting. Some of them were terrible. And I realized the problem was that all of these books were written by people who were already very good at organizing their lives, which is probably why they were like, Hey, I should write a book about this. I'm really good at it. It kind of makes sense. The problem was I couldn't implement any of their systems because they were all made for people who had brains that were yeah, very like if you're good at mine. cartwheels and you try to teach you know what to do I mean? a cartwheel, you're like, step one, do the cartwheel. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not that simple. Exactly. <laughs> you feel the yeah. cartwheel in you and then you do it. No. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So all of these books were like, and then you'll set up your 72 point filing system cross reference, you know, by oh, date God. and alphabetically, uh, you know, color coded. I was like, I don't even understand what that means. Right. Or I think too, a lot of the books that were written by men when it came to time management were like, well, you simply divide it into these neat, neat things. So I would make this super complicated calendar for myself that had all of these different tasks and appointments, but then I would look at it and I would be like, but wait, <laughs> what about the baby? (laughs) You know, clearly they had forgotten to factor in that they must have all had a stay at home spouse who is taking care of all the things like childcare and groceries and cleaning because they never seem to have to factor those into their schedules. And so inevitably I would try some new system. I'd get all excited about it. This one's going to work. This is going to make everything better. I would be really gung ho for like three days. It would all fall apart. I would cry. 
then I would cry some more. Then I'd, you know, forget to be somewhere on time. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I, I can, I can handle it. So what eventually started happening though, was that I could never implement anyone's whole system. They were too complicated. I just, my brain didn't work that way. But eventually what started happening was that I would, I would get little tidbits. Um, like I got a little morsel from this book and I got, oh, this idea for putting checklists on my fridge from this other book. And I got this one concept from David Allen and I, I couldn't implement his system. It was too complicated um, and analytical, but I, I understood sort of the deeper principle and maybe I could try to apply it you know, to my life in this way. And I'll use post-its instead of a spreadsheet because spreadsheets make me want to die or whatever. And I started sort of putting together this total mishmash of all of these little pieces. And it didn't happen all at once. It was slow. Um, but what happened was that over the course of a few months, I realized it was like maybe six months in and I realized, oh, you know what? All of a sudden I look around and like the chaos is, it's still chaotic. I still feel like I'm juggling water balloons and knives all the time, but the chaos has like gone down a level. It's like down to a dull roar and it, and it sort of happened gradually. And I looked around and I was like, oh wait, what made the difference? And I was like, well, for some reason, having, having this little set of lists on my fridge really helped, huh? Okay. And then I'm noticing that the way I started keeping my, my calendar differently, that helped too. Hmm. And I realized that over time I had kind of accidentally created the system that worked for me. And I was in this entrepreneur group in the city I lived in. It was mostly women, many of them also working moms like me. And I started to talk about it. And I realized that actually they also might find this strange amalgamation of, of things helpful. So I wrote it into this little like essay, like it was just like a word document. Um, and I sent it out to my friends. And that first little essay became ultimately over many, many iterations and many years became this program that I now have taught to many, many people called the queen sweep. And yeah, it came out of my own desperate yeah. need and can for some about, kind okay, of so order in my the, life. The cynic is like, okay, well it's because you had one kid and you don't even know because when you have two or three or four or five kids, like you don't even know, Anna, your systems are going to be broken, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is a standard. But you recently went from having one kid to getting married and picking up mm -hmm. four more. So now you have five. And um, what did you learn about um, your systems in the I face do. of five children? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One to five was quite a leap. I'm living the minivan dream now. Um, you know, it was a huge shift in so many ways. And I'm going to be honest, I actually wondered the same thing because over the years, lots of people have, have sort of said, well, you know, it's really nice and precious that you have this little simple life, just you and your daughter. Um, but my life is complicated. And I knew that these systems worked for people with, you know, more complicated lives because I had seen them work in the, you know, the many, many women who had gone through the program. But there was a little part of me that was like, okay, five kids, that is really intense. Like what's going to happen? What if, what if they're right? And it all sort of collapses under the weight, but actually the opposite turned out to be true. What I discovered was that as my life got bigger and, and the number of people in it and, you know, therefore the number of things and appointments and schedules and papers increased, the systems 
were even more necessary and even more valuable. And so when I say systems, I'm talking about things like um, a really simple way to have paper flow in and out of your life. So it's, it, you know, we, we use an inbox, we use a pending file, but it's very, very simple. And what happened was it's like an artery for all the paper that flows into your life. And if you, you know, if I think a lot of us have gone more digital, but if you have kids, you find that there's still a lot of paper that comes home from the school and doctor's forms. And what I discovered was that the system was like the artery. It was just the, the construct through which all of this, you know, paper could flow. And when I had one kid, it was a fairly small artery. We didn't have that much paper, but as we, now that we had seven people in our household, the artery just got bigger. So more paper flowed through it, but the system worked the exact same way. Yeah. And I've now gotten my husband on board. He's now a convert to my systems. Um, and he'll even say, cause he's, he's a, he's a person who's just kind of organized naturally. So he didn't ever really need all this stuff, but it's funny as life gets more complicated and the kids are in lessons and there's more field trips and all that kind of stuff. He will now proselytize and be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of hate to admit absolutely. it, but actually so, these things um, save my life. <laughs> questions because people are like, I suck at the physical world, raise your hand. Um, and also, um, I don't, I don't even know where to begin but I have a feeling that it's about more than paperwork. So when people are dealing with clutter at this very physical level or with like chaos at a physical level, what do you Mm -hmm. find or or often find, I don't want to generalize, is going on at sort of the emotional, energetic, or spiritual levels? Hmm. You know, I think that clutter often represents decisions that we haven't been able to make ourselves make. And sometimes those are really simple decisions. Like, am I going to throw away this ratty old toy that came from McDonald's when my kid went on that play date? That's hideous, but they love it. And sometimes they're big, huge, scary decisions. Like, you know, a a stack of scary paperwork, for example, might represent like, what am I going to do? I think my accountant is not doing a good job. Should I fire her? Should I hire a new one? That's expensive and scary. Oh God, what if my taxes have been wrong the past three years? Now my brain is so overwhelmed and terrified that I'm just going to walk away from that stack of paper and it's just going to keep growing. So I think often clutter just represents stuff that we don't know how to deal with. And because we sort of get paralyzed when it comes to making a decision, we make no decision at all, which you know, we've essentially decided to let it build up. And one of the things that happens is that, you know, none of us are good at fielding 27 inputs at the same time. If 27 people tried to talk to you all at once, I don't care how good you think you are at multitasking, you're not going to hear what any of them are saying, but you're definitely going to feel overwhelmed and panicked. And all of the, the clutter, the things that are sitting around, essentially, are all like (laughs) different voices saying, Hey, look at me, Mm -hmm. deal with me. Don't forget about me. Yeah. I'm gnarly problem. You should be scared to deal with me. And so, right. It's like, you have all these things in your space. Um, and you know, if it's your office, it might be things like, um, what things that can feel really fraught, like, Oh, you're late with your report. Oh, you lost those receipts again. What are you going to do about your, you know, 
submitting your expenses. Ooh, your boss is going to be so mad when he finds out about this one. Like it can feel really fraught or sometimes it's like, I am a stack of projects that is so boring. It just makes you want to die. Um, and then when we're at home, you know, it tends to be more kind of on the interpersonal level. Like, uh, we have, you know, what are we going to do that weekend in March where we have like three different invitations from three friends who we all love about, or, um, here's a bill. Me and my spouse are currently at odds in terms of, you know, how to proceed on this project. So all of this stuff that is just physical stuff carries a lot of emotional weight Mm. and it can feel really overwhelming. And most people don't even notice that all of this stuff is sort of shouting at them. And a lot of people perceive that essentially what it's saying to them is you suck because we're all this clutter and we're sitting here and we're junking up your life and your life does not look like a magazine. It does not right. look like so what they show on suddenly your receipts that are therefore you're a bad human and you're failing, you're failing at life and, and you get an F like you your life F is over being like eight, and her life is over and your life is too. <laughs> you're never going to be exactly. seen again. <laughs> um, so what is a first step that uh, anybody right? who's listening can take to having a never, home or never. a space or a room or even a tabletop that feels like it works for their needs instead of burying them in chaos? Like, is there one really tiny thing that makes a really big difference? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there is. So what we do in the Queen Sweep is... Um, we use something called the, the 80, 20 principle. It's also sometimes it was created by a guy called Pareto. So sometimes it's known as Pareto's law. And this principle says that 80% of the results you get usually comes from 20% of the energy expended. So for example, if you're a business owner, many people find that they make 80% of their revenue from the same 20% group of clients. Um, it's, it's this principle that they use in all kinds of business and engineering. But when you start to apply it to your physical life, it starts to bring you relief immediately. Because when you think about the spaces that you spend your time, most of us don't use 100% of our home. We don't even use 80% of our homes or our offices. We use the same 20% all the time. So if you think about your, your house, if you kind of close your eyes for a second and you think about where are you most of the time, most people are at their kitchen counter, you know, chopping things, making dinner. They are sitting on their couch, reading or watching TV, whatever their thing is. Um, And then maybe they have one other spot. Maybe they have a desk where they work. Maybe they have a favorite armchair where they sit and read to their kids. But most of us really only sit and stand and use a very small portion of our homes. And this is really, really good news. Because what it means is that you don't have to get everything clean not even close. You only have to get that crucial 20% clean. Um, And when you do that, you start to feel better like 80% of the time because that's where you are most of the time. And this this is the same in your office too. Most of us are sitting in front of our computers most of the time and you're looking at the same maybe like two by four foot square or rectangle of space on the wall. Right? You don't, you're not usually looking at those bookshelves behind you. You're not looking over at the stuff in the corner. You're looking sort of at the space in front of you. And so if you make that little bit of space clutter-free, if you make it beautiful, if you make it something that ins- makes your eyes feel good, makes your heart feel good, 
you're going to feel better most of the time. So there are a lot of um, systems out there for you know making your home beautiful or clean or tidy. Um, the life-changing magic of tidying up was a huge hit recently by Marie Kondo. It's a wonderful book. I love it. Um, I have a strong connection to Japan. So I think I maybe even like it, <laughs> love it more than many people, but it's absolutely impossible for most people ever to implement because the very first thing you do is she's like, take everything you own and dump it on the floor. <laughs> so, all right, you're a good rule follower. Mm-hmm. You, you do that, you dump it all on the floor, but then you have to make a series of excruciating decisions. And most people never get that part. So like they get to the part where they dump it on the floor and then they stop. And then they're so much worse off than they were when they started. And her system sort of, its power is in its completeness. So it's like, you don't really feel the relief until you do every single thing. And most people just never get there. So I like to work the opposite way. I don't care if you've got, you know, a basement full of crap, if you've got a garage full of whatever, eventually people who are in the clean sweep end up tackling that stuff. But we never, ever start with that stuff. We start with the like six inch radius around your laptop where you sit 99% of the time when you're working. And we make that clear and orderly and beautiful. We pick the one kitchen counter that you use almost all the time, clear all the crap off of it, put one beautiful thing there, you know, a gorgeous chopping block or that vase you like or whatever. We clear everything else off and we give you a space to start with. So if you think about the one place where you spend most of your time in your home. Think about what you could do that is so easy. Don't make it complicated. Don't bring in paint when this is not, you know, renovating or interior decorating. Clear away the clutter and bring in one small bit of beauty into that spot and see if doing that thing, it should take less Mm -hmm. than 10 minutes, like maybe three minutes. Yeah. But Um, see if that doesn't change the way you feel. A lot of sense. Like you can get a really big return on investment. Like we all think we have to start with the basement, the attic or the room that just holds junk. And that's the first, and then you're like, I can't, I can't. So I just can't get started. It would be like, if the first time you have to work out, you have to run 12 miles. You're like, it's not happening. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like walking up to a 500 pound weight and trying to pick it up. No, no, no. Yeah. Start with the little I love two it. pound weights. The two say, pound weights are um, like your kitchen counter. Just the one There's spot, something to you know, or maybe your like, Oh, she's an expert. <laughs> and, and you she's work like, no, I've, your way up. Like I've been to your house and it's, it's clean and organized and functional. And I've spent the night. So like, you can't even hide that if you're like, ah, <laughs> like it, um, so you've got five kids, a dog, a couple of snakes, and two adults, and it's the, all of these systems working together are a really, really beautiful thing, and no one is, like, <laughs> screaming and yelling. Uh, well, the adults mm-hmm. are not screaming and yelling. The kids are, you know, whatever, but they're not, they're not screaming and yelling out of, you know, the horror at the junk in the house. It's just general kid stuff. So um, I, do, I do feel like you get all the gold stars <laughs> for screaming that. and yelling. You're not screaming and yelling. Mm-hmm. And we don't do a lot of screaming, you know, oh, that's nice. It's, it's, yeah, you have, you've seen our, our family in action. Like it wasn't just like, oh, we're hosting a dinner and you came over, you came and stayed for a few days. So you, you get to see kind of the real nitty gritty of, of life in action. And um, a lot of times people will say to me, oh, but then like, I end up just screaming at my kids all the time. 
Um, so I'm going to give you this one little hack for those of you who have kids. It's so simple, but it will make all of life better. So if you're having like a lot of kids and their clutter, we have this super simple system where each kid has a little bucket with a handle and they just live on a shelf and any of their stuff that's lying around, we just dump it in that bucket. It takes two seconds. Um, it's like right in the kitchen. So it's easy for us. And then at the end of the day, usually before dinner, we're like, all right, everybody go into your bucket. And the threat, which we've never actually had to um, enforce is, okay, if we've had to ask you a bunch of times and you haven't you know, taken your bucket upstairs, eventually we're going to dump out the things in the bucket and they just go in the trash. We've actually never even had to throw anyone's things away, but the threat of it is like terrifying. But because there's like a system, you know, Everyone's stuff yeah, just sort of no, goes so in the these spots. The they have their names on them. Other, which is Even the little ones can like not, carry their little bucket the, upstairs. Like, Guys, sit down, shut it helps up. so much and it family. saves us from having to do so much screaming. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and nagging. I've seen enough of that to know that it's, uh, it's not that. Um, so next question is, uh, what do you wish people would ask? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. What do I wish people would ask me about? You know, I wish that I got a chance to talk more about how all of the areas of our lives are entwined. So part of why we, you know, so many of us feel so overwhelmed so much of the time is because we try to tackle things in isolation. So you're like, all right, I'm going to get you know, I'm going to get my money in order, right? Classic kind of New Year's resolution. I'm going to start using a budget. I'm going to organize my receipts. I'm going to stick to a spending plan, whatever. I'm going to get my investments in order. And so we have this like great, shiny, wonderful plan. And we go to implement and we realize, oh, um, I can't find any of the receipts or the important paperwork that I need. They're buried under a terrifying stack of file folders somewhere in the office. Um, oh, also that big expensive refund that I needed to get, I can't find the warranty paper crap. And so then you go digging around in your file cabinet, looking for it. And then you've turned the file cabinet apart and then the office is an even scarier mess. And then like, what I'm trying to say is that all of these parts of our life are interconnected. So money is very much related to paper. Paper is very much related to all of your to-dos and all of the time-sensitive things that you have on your mind, deadlines, dates that bills are due, things, you know, times when paperwork needs to be submitted. Um, and all of that is related to how the physical kind of flow of things through your house happens. Um, and so sometimes people will try to tackle things in isolation and it can feel really, really futile because you can only get so far before you run into some kind of tangle from another area of your life. So this is why in my programs, I really like to tackle things in a little bit more of a holistic way. So even though in the queen sweep, we start with physical clutter and we kind of get on top of, um, that like physical, physical space, we set up some routines and habits and systems, but then we move on and we, we talk about paper, um, which is related to money. So then we talk about money, um, we talk about the clothes hanging in your closet. We revamp your to-do list. We look at your calendar because all of those things have to work together. You know what I mean? And so when you try to like get organized and get on top of your to-do list, 
you know, if, if you're dealing with a lot of mental chaos in your head, it's really hard sometimes to get clear. So all of these things are interconnected. And so it it feels like bad news because it feels like, oh my God, I'll never get it all um, working together. But the good news is that when you start to kind of clean up one aspect of your life, so when you get some of that clutter under control in those main spaces that you see all the time, it's like you open up mental space in your head. And then you're a little bit more able to look at your goals with more clarity and look at your calendar with more clarity and say, oh, you know what? I have 17 projects going right now. That's insane. Let me see if I can whittle that down to three (laughs) or seven, right? And then when you have a little bit more sanity when it comes to your to-dos, you're able to make slightly more empowered decisions around your money because you're a little bit more clear on what the next few months of your life are actually going to look like rather than what you think they ought to look like in magical land. And so the work you do in one area ends up, you feel the reverberations in other areas. And so it seems like it's completely unrelated, but one of the weeks we, people work on their wardrobe. So we do some cleaning out of the closet, but it's even less about the closet clean out and more about um, pulling out the things in their closet that they love, that make them feel like their best, most kick-ass self. And strangely enough, that week, people say, really helps them get on top of their to-do lists. It is. They seem completely um, unrelated, but it's like there's energetic threads and you're building muscles in one area and then you get to use those muscles in another area too. So that's super exciting. I think a lot of us have all of these ideas of who Mm. we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to accomplish. And so just as a lot of us can end up with physical clutter, junking up our physical landscape, a lot of us have this interior clutter in the form of other people's instructions. And so sometimes as people kind of, they clear away some clutter, life settles down a little bit, they put out some of the fires, and then they look around at their life and they're like, wait a minute. I don't even recognize this. Who, who picked these things? I don't even like this stuff. This isn't the life that I intended to create for myself. And so when you kind of, it's like, as you clear more space, you can just, you can see more clearly. And I'm, of course that happens physically, but it's almost like it happens inside you too. And I think actually that's why the closet week is so powerful because clothes are very much about identity and how we want to show up in the world, what we want to be communicating to the world about who we are. And so it's like, as you clean up that physical clutter, people tend to have epiphanies about their jobs, about their marriages, about their friendships, um, about their hobbies, about the, the dreams that they had sort of even forgotten they had. And so often, you know, a little while after doing the queen sweep, I'll hear from someone who's like, I did it. I went back. I applied for it. I'm going to go get my master's. And they're like, it's directly related to what we did in the queen sweep. And I'm like, yes. And I totally get what they mean, but they're like, I can't tell any of my friends because it sounds crazy to say that like getting on top of my bills helped me decide to go back to grad school. But they're related because it's all about clearing enough space, both physically and mentally and emotionally, so that you can you can hear yourself think. You can actually see with more clarity, 
oh, what is it that really matters to me? What is it that actually it does? Brings me You've joy actually already answered the question I was going to ask because it nourishes me instead of anything that all the um, stuff that I bought because really I thought it might help a make me feel better, but instead it just level, makes me feel um, whether it's a program or a book or a class that it's like it claims to be about X, but it's really much deeper. So like the clean sweep is about cleaning up and organizing and throwing a bunch of stuff away and like okay, there's twenty seven thousand HGTV shows that will do that. But really, it's about clearing enough space physically and emotionally to hear yourself think. And then from that place, moving mm-hmm. forward to make decisions that actually benefit you, which is really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that we do and one of the things that we do, um, it is beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I get all like teary when I think about my women and all the things that they have unfolded for them over the years. Because one of the things that we do that I think is maybe different than, I don't actually watch HTV, but for sure it's different than most of the organizing and cleaning stuff that I found when yeah. I was looking for stuff. Is, the, it is specifically deliberately work on the story that you're telling about yourself. So most of us have these mean stories that we tell ourselves in our heads all the time. And Kristen, you talk about this all the time in your work, right? You call it asshole brain. (laughs) So my people specifically have asshole brain around like, look at you, you can't even get your papers in order. Look at you, you can't even find that thing you needed and you had to go buy a new one. You're such a, you know, you're so stupid. You can't even balance your checkbook. What kind of grown up are you? They have a lot of asshole brain around their inability to kind of do this like adulting part of life, um, especially because many of them are incredibly brilliant. Like they're so smart. And it's funny because it's almost like they beat themselves up more because they're like, I'm so smart. I'm a university professor. or I'm a chemist or I'm a, I don't know, I'm a neurologist. Like these are real examples from people who've done the program. And they're like, how can I be so smart and so good at one part of life? And yet they're like, you cannot walk through my house because the laundry has like taken on a life of its own. And so they're so mean to themselves. They tell themselves such cruel, cruel things that they would never say to anybody else. So one of the things that we do, we break it down into really, really tiny steps Mm -hmm. and we deliberately celebrate each step. So people will post on our forum and be like, you know, that sock that was on my bedroom for three days or my bedroom floor for three days. I picked it up and I put it in the laundry hamper and like everybody cheers and like, yeah, and like posting <laughs> yes, dancing Wonder Woman gifts because your sock what they zone. know is that that sock is not really just a sock. That sock is about believing that like, I am a person who deserves a bedroom free of socks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so we, we work on building these teenie, teeny tiny habits that like, so and everything is like, example I can't tell of like anyone a in my 30, life that this like, is my I can't think of a 30 second embarrassing habit that I have. It's like, I mean, something okay, that's so other small than, like, and so notes, embarrassing. But, that is not but when you start so small, it's much easier to build little teeny tiny habits. Just like it's easy to pick up the four ounce weight. Mm-hmm. But you... Awesome. Okay, so something like like, you're going. I brush my teeth because, and then I put the toothbrush back in the holder. You have a degree in astrophysics, and you were going to get the toothbrush in the in the cup. That's it. That'll be like their big assignment (laughs) for like the whole week. Is like, don't worry about anything except just doing that one thing. 
Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Really and so what crazy. happens when they do that is they've then created evidence for themselves uh, that they are someone where who can create might a new people habit. They are someone who can shift your, their own behavior. In your magic. That they can do it without having to beat themselves up. You might just have a challenge coming up. That it could be kind of easy. I do have a challenge coming up. So it's the get your life back challenge. And for one week, we're going to do ridiculously easy things every day that are going to help you feel more sane, more clear. You're going to be able to breathe more easily and you're going to feel just a little bit more on top of your world. Um, and we start February awesome. 26th. Have, I will have so Monday the 26th. All the links. Um, um, it's completely free. I promise it'll be painless. Podcast, but I think, it's actually going to be really, um, really, really fun. And you can view of like, oh God, another woman telling me how to organize my filing system. And going into the much deeper things about like, well, clutter is a way to keep you small and to keep you really busy and not getting your work done in the world. And can we... And we address that at, a, at, a, at an energetic level. That's really, really nifty and lovely. So thank you for coming and sharing your <laughs> wisdom. Mm-hmm. No, because that's... Absolutely. Thank you for if you having got no me. Keys, I mean, my secret that's mission, that's everyone. not a secret, is a global takeover um, by the wise women. And when the wise women can't find their keys, they're not going to be getting done like, the epic shit that thing. they know they're actually meant to do. So this is like that ground level of clearing. I just would want to leave people with a sense of possibility that even if you, even if you're in your, I don't know, even if you've been grappling with this stuff for decades, um, it really is possible to radically shift the way that you relate to your, your own self and your own mind and your own environment. Um, and actually can happen. It happens even more effectively when you go really, really gently in kind of that small habit way that I've described instead of attempting like a massive overhaul those just make us tired and overwhelmed. Um, and you know, we end up sort of yeah, falling back into the same, to get a same habits. But if you can start to shift line. those little, little tiny things over time, I think it, well, you can see an amazing so transformation. Much. I've seen it in and, hundreds uh, and again, hundreds of women. website, um, and, uh, we're at queensweep.com and Anna will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you for listening to that episode of that's what she said you can always email me at k at kristenkelp.com if you want to talk more about anything you heard and i double dog dare you to visit breathehealrepeat.com give breathwork a try 
and let me know how it goes. I'll see you soon.